Hello and welcome to the Irish Fire Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Houghton. I'm an entrepreneur, investor, and financial independence enthusiast, sharing my financial freedom journey. Stay tuned and welcome aboard. I hope you are doing well. I'd just like to start by thanking you guys for a lot of emails that I've been receiving recently. I always love hearing your feedback or even just dropping me a quick email just to say hi. I love sharing my story with you guys and by all means feel free to reach out and share your own and it's always great to trade ideas and speak to like-minded people. So if you ever do want to reach out, even just to say hello, drop me an email at michael at firepodcast.ie. I've definitely been enjoying recording more regular episodes and I seem to be in a pretty good habit of releasing new podcast episodes every two weeks. On to today's episode, I recently read or at least listened to the book called Die With Zero and I thought it might be nice for me to give five of the takeaways that I receive from the book. It's a pretty good book and I'm happy to let you guys know that it's actually available for free to listen on on YouTube so I will link to an audio copy of that in the show notes. It's a little bit morbid in times and sometimes with these financial freedom books they have a habit of covering in five hours what should be able to be done in an hour. You know sometimes they come up with a concept and then it just keeps replaying the concept over and over again. So whilst it's a good book and the underlying message is good, I felt at times it was a little bit repetitive and it could have just sped up to the point a little bit quicker, which is why hopefully I can cover this for you guys in a 15 minute podcast episode. And so even if you're unable or don't have the time to listen to the whole book, then hopefully I can give you my key takeaways because um, I think for everybody it'd be different, but this is certainly what I reflected on when reading the book. So takeaway number one, take that trip in your 20s. And this was an interesting one for me because I did take an overseas trip in my 20s. And in the book, the author describes himself and a friend at the time. And they were both same age and they were living together. They were roommates and they were both working at the same place, some Wall Street brokerage and trying to make it as young guys in their early 20s with very little money. And effectively what happens is the friend comes along and says, look, I'm actually going to travel to Europe in the summer and take three months off work. And the author's like, whoa, whoa, really? So Bill comes along, the author, and he says, that's, your, that's crazy. Like, where are you going to get the money for that? And his friend's like, look, I'm actually going to borrow it from a loan shark. And Bill's like, whoa, whoa, what about the fact that you're going to be taking three months off work and you're going to be sacrificing your career? And his friend's like, look, I just have to do this trip. So he ends up going to Europe and having the time of his life, exactly as I did when I traveled to Europe myself in, uh, when, in my mid to slightly late 20s. And obviously that was a life-changing experience for me because I met my wife and my three-month trip ended up being, well, I'm here now for 12 plus years. So I guess the journey does make the man. The man doesn't make the journey. But in his friend's case, he comes back and he's had this life-changing trip. He's met loads of people. He's had romance along the way as well and all of these things that he knows he's going to remember for the rest of his life. And he comes back and he says to Bill, he says, look, if that trip had cost me twice as much, it was still worth it. 
And Bill kind of takes this and he goes, right, well, look, I'm going to travel, but I'm going to travel on my own terms. And Bill ends up traveling in his early 30s. But by the time that he travels, and he obviously does it at a time where he's got a little bit more money to travel and he's saved up and so on. He realizes that things like backpacking and staying in hostels and I guess, you know, probably people in their early 20s he's probably finding annoying now, whereas... Had he been in his mid-twenties, he probably would have been friends with them and all these sort of things. He'd kind of realized that he missed the boat a little bit. And so the lesson here was that you've got to be aware that certain things in your life, you've got to do at the right time. And if you don't do it at the right time, then you might miss the boat. And we see this all the time from people saying, oh yeah, we'll do travel when we finally hit our 60s and retire and so on. But of course, we don't know the state of our health by the time that we get there. Which leads me nicely into the second takeaway. And this, oh man, this one I really enjoyed. And I love these sort of things all the time. But uh, it was only mentioned briefly in the book. But I thought it really related great to financial independence. And also anybody raising kids and maybe in their late 30s and early 40s. Because this is certainly one that I have been feeling recently. I guess in my mind I called it a triangle. And it's the time, money, health triangle. Alright, so basically no matter what stage of your life you're at. You only have two of these. And so when you're born... You only have your health and time, but you don't have any money. And then if you're raising kids, and even if you're not, even that kind of career stage of your life, in your late 30s, early 40s, I guess where I'm at now, you've got your health still, although it's not as good as it was, say, 10 years ago, but you've largely got your health. You've now got money, but you don't have time. And then when you get to, say, 65 plus, and you finally retire, well, now you've got time and you've got money, but you don't necessarily have health. And so his point is, is that you want to try and find an optimal time for these things. And the trouble is for so many of us in, say, our late 30s, early 40s, is that we have the money, we have the health, but we just don't have time. And if we can optimize that and get time, then that's probably a good thing. So again, it kind of, for me reflecting on that, I was like, right, yeah, I'm definitely making the right decision now, cutting back work and trying to optimize my time because I do constantly feel like I don't have enough and look it's hard when you're raising a family you are constantly running around that's just the nature of the beast but it was definitely interesting in terms of this triangle so it's definitely something to think about which which I thought was uh, was well worth reflecting on and I guess point three and he talks about this late in the book and he's quite morbid on on the approach but he talks about like life seasons or time buckets and it's this concept that we all have more than one life I think this is very much true. And again, you've got to reflect on this a little bit. But I kind of look at my life from even my teenage years to my single years where I was out going out every weekend partying and I was living by myself for a couple of years in New Zealand and living the single life. And I certainly wouldn't want to go back to that now. I'm well past that now. But at the same time, it was a great experience. When I lived in Australia back in 2006 for a couple of years, again, certainly wouldn't want to go back to that lifestyle now. But there's a lot of positive memories from that time. And he talks about the fact that when you're raising kids, that as hard as that is, at some stage there will be the last nappy change. There will be the last time that your kid really wants to spend time with you and so on. So all of these things, it's really important to maximize fulfillment and experience of that whilst we can. Number four then, give while you're alive. So this one's quite interesting. And remember the foundations of this book is really for those that are oversaving. Right, so Bill Perkins' whole point is like, look, most people oversave when they come to even say the fire movement, and that anything that we leave behind when we die is actually wasteful because we've actually means that we've worked for free effectively at some point in our lives. And so one of the arguments there is, well, hang on, what about your children? And say, what about charities? And Bill's like, well, hang on, you're actually best to give to your children and give to your charities whilst you're alive because chances are your children are going to need that money more in say their mid twenties early 30s maybe for a house deposit than they would when they're say 60 
when chances are they're already close to retiring anyway and potentially financial independence anyway. And again, I think it's a great point. And likewise with charities, he says, well, if you give it to a charity after you die, then you're actually never going to get to experience that feeling of giving. And that by giving whilst you're alive, then you at least get that fulfillment and that dividend memory. And dividend memory brings me on to the final point. And I'm going to touch base on what that is. But effectively, what he says is buy experiences and not stuff. You see, a dividend memory is when we look back and we smile at something when we think of it. Or when we look at something and we're reminded of a story that happened to us many years previously. Bill basically says that as we get older, our memories are going to be the things that we're going to remember the most. And that by creating lots of positive memories and lots of positive experiences in our life, it gives us a full bank of things to actually reflect on. He talks about how when he was 45, he spent an awful lot of money bringing all his family and friends to one tropical island and has this huge party. Now, to be honest, I wasn't entirely impressed by that story because I actually thought that he spent way too much money. And for me, it wasn't about the location necessarily, but bringing everybody together. And I kind of wondered if he needed it to be such an expensive trip. Could he not have mimicked that by doing that somewhere far more local? Something that I've learned in my life is that it's not really about the location necessarily. It's just having everybody together which makes the experience worthwhile. So I felt he kind of missed a trick there slightly because he did mention in the book that he spent an awful amount of money on that trip. However, I think the concept of the memory dividend is a really, really good one. I actually sat down with my own kids recently and I said, right guys, we're going to put together a bucket list or a list of experiences that we want to do this summer holidays. For the last three years, I've continually taken new projects on at summertime so I've basically been working through the summer and I'm really excited this year about cutting back at the perfect time to be able to actually spend more time with the kids and so I said guys I want you to come up with every great thing that you can think of for us doing the summer holidays I said this money's not an object I said I just want you guys to think about what it is that you would love to do that you'll cherish forever one word came back water park my kids just wanted to go to a water park. Now, as it was, we'd already booked a week's holiday in Ballyhigh this year, and the Trilly Aquadome is down the road. I jumped online, and for around 53 euros, I will make my kids' dreams come true. I showed them the videos on YouTube. They were super excited about the slides there. And I reflected on the experience to think, my goodness, ironically, what they wanted to do didn't even cost a huge amount of money. It's just about the fact that I mentioned it and I'm able to make their dreams come true for a very small amount of money. And again, giving them my time. As parents, we have an opportunity to make lifelong memories for our children. And as great as fire is, I think sometimes we forget that the time of our children is relatively small compared to the time that we have to hit financial independence. And certainly, I've lost focus of that a little over the last 18 months. The other interesting thing was that he mentions that buying stuff, whilst it might bring us initial happiness, that that happiness tends to not be long-lasting. And I certainly see that from our own mind, that we've got to a stage where we actually have everything that we need. And I now look at it that when we do buy something, we're actually maintaining and replacing things rather than buying something new. So no matter what you buy, 
there's some sort of depreciation that happens on the item, and maybe that does need to be replaced every few years, and that's okay. But I'm certainly out of the mindset of needing to buy new things, because I think you do get to a stage where you've bought everything that you possibly can to bring you the happiness that you need. This mindset allows us to focus on experiences. And the best way, and the way that I want to finish this episode, is by sharing the gift that I gave for my wife when she turned 40 last year. My wife had dreamed, since she was about 15, of going to Paris. And so I booked a two-night trip for us. I managed to get the in-laws to mind the kids for the weekend, and we journeyed out on a cheap Ryanair flight, leaving Dublin on a Friday night, and flew back in very early Monday morning to be home to get the kids off to school. All up, that trip cost between five to six hundred euros, relatively cheap. We did it on a bit of a shoestring budget, but it did not at all take away from the experience that we had. And in my mind, that will be a trip that we would cherish for many, many years to come. As always, guys, if you have any questions on this episode, drop me an email at michael@firepodcast.ie, and I look forward to catching you on the next episode. <laughs>